You are listening to a Live City Church podcast, and we hope you'll experience Jesus today. We are excited to have you join our extended online church family. If you would like further information or wish to access more content, please connect with us on our Live City Church Facebook page or visit us at livecitychurch.com. I thought I'd just start off with something a little funny, so you can love me before you hate me. <laughs> and I heard Ravi Zacharias tell this story, I thought it was quite clever. So uh, it's a man who's done his minimum studies to be a pastor, and uh, they said, okay, he goes before the board, and they say, okay, you know, do you know the Bible well? He said, oh yeah, and they said, well, can you tell us about the story of the good Samaritan? And he said, yes, sir, I'll gladly tell it. Once there was a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked him. And as he went on his way, he didn't have no money. And there he met the queen of Sheba, and she gave him a thousand talents and a hundred changes of raiment. And he got into a chariot, and he drove furiously. And when he was driving under the big juniper tree, his hair got caught on the limb of a tree. And he hung there many days, and the ravens brought him food to eat and water to drink. And he ate 5,000 loaves of bread and two fishes. And one night, when he was hanging there asleep, his wife Delilah came and cut off his hair. And he dropped, and he fell on stony ground. But he got up and went on. And it began to rain, and it rained 40 days and 40 nights. And he hid himself in a cave, and he lived on locusts and wild honey. Then he went till he met a servant who said, Come, take supper at my house. And he made an excuse and said, No, I won't. I have married a wife, and I can't go. And the servant went on the highways and into the hedges and compelled him to come in. After supper, he went on, came down from there to Jericho. And when he got there, he looked up and he saw old Queen Jezebel sitting down way up high in the window. And she laughed at him. And he said, throw her down here. And they threw her down. And he said, throw her down again. They threw her down 70 times seven. (laughs) And the fragments that remained, they picked up 12 baskets full. (laughs) Besides women and children. And they said, blessed are the peacemakers, P-I-E-C-E. Blessed are the peacemakers. Now, whose wife do you think she'll be on Judgment Day? That's a very funny little witty story. Sadly, there's some Christians whose theology is like that. It's all about opinions and not about the Bible. So, going to do a little bit something different. And you can put the first one up, Ben, thanks. Uh, sorry, Tanya. Um, so, before we start, before we open the Word of God, we should pray, shouldn't we? So, I'm going to get you to do something you might find strange, but in our connect group, we do it. And that's what I want you to grab your Bible and hug your Bible. And uh, if it's on your phone, do it with your phone. It might sound weird. But start a daily habit of kissing the Word of God and thanking God for it. All right, so I'm just going to pray. So kiss your word, hold it while I pray. Lord, we just thank you for your precious word. Father, open our understanding and open the scriptures to us. Open our ears to hear, open our hearts to obey, Lord. Father, you breathe your word into each and every one of us, Father, I pray. Lord, I've done my best, but my best is not good enough. So, Lord, you do the rest. You do your thing here, Lord. Glorify your name, Father. Teach us, Lord. Challenge us. Change us, Father. For your glory, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Right. So in the last few weeks, Pastor Paul's been doing an excellent series 
on worship. And as we've been finding out, worship is not just singing slow songs. And so today I just want to do another aspect of worship, and that is walking in faith. And as one other translation says, there it says, the just shall live by faith. Another translation say, the righteous shall live by faithfulness. You know, faith, I mean, we've been taught, uh, I'll be honest, we've been taught wrongly from um, some American evangelists that faith is about what you can believe for, a Mercedes-Benz, a bigger house, etc., etc. Faith is belief, but faith is much more than belief. Faith comes from the Hebrew word emunah. Thanks. Next slide, Tanya, please. The Hebrew word, and next slide again. Thank you. The Hebrew word emunah means firmness, steadfastness, fidelity, responsibility, trustworthiness, truthfulness. Emunah is where we get the word amen from. So living by faith is actually living by faithfulness. Or God calls us to live by steadfastness, fidelity, responsibility, being trustworthy and truthful. Does that describe your Christian walk lately? Yeah. So if it doesn't, we really need to change. And God wants us to walk in this faithfulness even in the tough times. Can we turn to quickly to Revelation chapter 2, verse 7? Revelation, the last book in the Bible, chapter 2 and verse 7. And then don't turn away because we're going to read another verse from chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 7 says, He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And verse 26 in chapter 2, verse 26, And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. God expects us to overcome. He expects us to go through tough times. If you don't think you're going to go through tough times, sorry, bad news, you will go through tough times. But God expects us to hold on to him. 1 Peter 2.21 says, To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow his steps. And in 1 John 2.6, it says, Whoever claims to abide in him, that's in Jesus, must walk as Jesus walked. So if you claim to um, abide in Jesus, you must walk as Jesus walked. So what was Jesus doing? Well, we know Jesus did lots of good things. And, but Jesus said in John 5.19, he was only doing what he saw his father doing. And that gives a whole uh, another depth of understanding when Jesus was in the temple as a boy, questioning the Pharisees and the Sadducees, because questioning was a, a Jewish way of teaching and learning. And when his mother came looking for him, she found him and he said, Mom, didn't you know I should be about my father's business? It's easy to understand when, next slide please, when we understand that in Jewish culture, a father taught the son his business. Whatever the son saw his father doing, that's what he would take up. At age 12 to 13, that's when they would start doing their father's trade, their father's business. When Jesus was 12 to 13, he was in the temple doing his father's business. We must 
imitate our Father, just like Jesus said to imitate our Father. In Ephesians 5.1, let's turn to Ephesians 5.1. Galatians, Ephesians, is everyone there? That's good because I'm not either. Um, Ephesians 5.1 says, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. So the scripture says we need to imitate God. So how do we imitate God? How do we imitate an invisible God? How does God act? Well, the only way to find out how God acts is let's start at the start. So the next slide, please. I'm going to read from Genesis 1, 1 to 5. If you don't have it in front of you, it should be on the screen. Beautiful. Genesis 1, 1 to 5. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon, upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. And man, we could teach on that for weeks, but we won't go into it too deep. But we are going to go a little bit deeper than just what it says there on the surface. So put on your spiritual scuba gear because we're going to go a little bit deeper to see what the scripture is saying. So when God creates... He creates and he infuses light into darkness and separates them both. Now, you might be thinking it's impossible for us to create. We're not like God. We're just lowly sinners. And that's very true. We are lowly sinners. We are born into sin. Or the Hebrews, the Jewish people, put it another way. They say that when we are born, we have the Yetzirah, which is the evil inclination, and the Yetzar Hatov, which is the good inclination. And it's kind of like the picture of the good angel and the bad angel on our shoulders. All of us know that we all struggle. We all struggle with our flesh. We all struggle not to do wrong, but we fall into it all the time. And so we do, all of us, have this inclination to either do good or bad. And the rabbis note that Yetzar comes from the root word Yetzar, which means to create to fashion, to produce, and to form. And so what they're saying is that we not only have the potential, the inclination to do good, to do bad, we also have the inclination to create, to form good things or bad things. So give a man a tree, he'll turn it into a house or furniture or work of art. Mankind is creative. We love to produce and create things just like our Heavenly Father. But how do we create a world like God did in Genesis 1? Well, we can't create a world, but we can do what God did. He can create light, and that's what God wants us to do. Next slide, please. In Genesis 1-2. Now the earth was formless and void, and darkness was upon the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Next slide, please. Look at the word without form and without void. It is the Hebrew words tohu and vohu, 
Without form and void doesn't really mean that much to us. But when we look at the Hebrew meanings, we get a clearer understanding. Next slide, please, Tanya. Tohu means formlessness, confusion, unreality, emptiness, chaos, desolation, and empty space, futile, meaningless, meaningless arguments, nothing, waste and a waste place. Starting to get a picture of what the earth looked like back then. Next slide, please. The word vohu, the Hebrew word vohu means an undistinguishable ruin, an emptiness and a void. So when God created the world, the world was in a case of darkness and confusion, emptiness and chaos, a waste place of meaninglessness and formlessness, an undistinguishable ruin and void. But the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, pondering, sitting over this mess, and he determined to bring restoration and healing. And God, in so doing, God was showing us an example of what he wants us to do in times of darkness, in places of darkness. Next slide, please. Genesis 1-3 says, uh, God, uh, God said, let there be light. That's English. Literally, it says, light be, or be light. The Hebrew word for be is chaya, meaning to be and to become, to take place, to form, to sustain, and to remain. In other words, God was saying, let there be light, but he was also saying to future generations, that's you and me, you become the light. You sustain and take the form of light when you come into darkness, when you see darkness, when you see people trapped in darkness. Genesis 1-4, please. Uh, sorry, slide. Next slide, please. Genesis 1-4 says, God saw the light and the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. God wants us to separate from darkness and be light to the world around us. God put us here for a reason. Each of us actually has a mission. Each of us has a purpose. Sometimes we wonder what is our purpose. We actually all have the same purpose as Christians. God just does it differently through each of us because we have different gifts, different skills, different callings. In 2 Corinthians 6.14, it says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what, right, sorry, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? We are to be separate from darkness. So in Genesis 1, 1 to 5, God was showing us what we can do when we find chaos and darkness and emptiness and confusion. You and I are to be the light in such places. Romans 13, 12 says, So let's put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. God wants us to partner with him. We're in a partnership with God. Did everyone know that? You're actually in a partnership with God to repair this broken world and to bring healing and light to a sick and confused world. And not forgetting that someone helped us out of darkness once, telling us about the gospel, and that's how we got saved. We are in a holy partnership with God we are not only to bring about miracles by our prayers we are to bring about miracles by our actions Amen. Jesus put it this way let's all turn to Matthew 5 
First book in the New Testament, Matthew 5. We're going to read from verses 13 to 17, I think it is. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 17. Jesus said, You are the light of the earth. Sorry, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. I see that it is set on a hill, cannot be hidden. We're not supposed to hide our light. Nor do they light a lamp and hide it under a basket, but on a lampstand that gives light to all who are in the house. People should be seeing our light. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Not your good words, your good works. Some Protestants can't stand that word works, but that's what God wants us to be doing. Works. Just as the Hebrew fathers taught their sons to imitate them, Hebrew mothers taught their daughters to imitate them, the Lord wants us to imitate him, bringing light, goodness and kindness to a world lost in darkness. Next slide, please. Genesis 1-2. We're told that the Spirit of God was hovering upon the face of the waters. The Holy Spirit was moving softly, fluttering, and gently preparing to bring change to the darkness. We bring change to the darkness by the Holy Spirit. We are the agents of the Holy Spirit today. God wants us to sow seeds of goodness and kindness and light to our world, to our homes, communities, and workplaces. Wherever God has placed us, that's where he's asked us to spread his influence with the gifts that he has given us. Look at uh, guys like Nick Boyacek, I think his name is, the Christian guy with no arms and no legs, goes around the world speaking in some of the worst prisons out, telling men about the goodness of God. And yet, he's got no arms and no legs. Therefore, that means we've got no excuse not to be working for the Lord. Next slide, please. We are to be sowers of seeds. Because seeds bear fruit. Can I get my two lovely, happy helpers to hand out? I'm just going to do something a little different. Something that you can hold, feel, smell and taste about sowing seeds. God wants us to sow seeds in this world. Sow seeds of light and kindness. Seeds of goodness. Does anyone know what the first commandment in the Bible is? Anyone want to guess? Hmm? Love the Lord your God. That's a good one. What did you say, Pastor? Multiply. That's right. I thought, ah, oh, first one would have to be about the tree, wouldn't it? Don't touch the tree. No, the first commandment is be fruitful and multiply. Sow seeds and multiply. You can, if you, you can eat these, these are mandarins. You can eat them now if you want. If you do, please remember there's a napkin there. Please don't leave rubbish on the floor because people have got to clean us up. And please also remember that mandarins do squirt juice, so don't baptise the person in front of you. <laughs> this is a simple mandarin that was grown by in a simple little seed. And God wants us to remember that we are sowing seeds. 
Next slide, please. Just a few small seeds. Next slide, please. Will grow a tree. And look at all the mandarins. Look at all the oranges on that tree. Look at all the seeds in those oranges. Hundreds of oranges, thousands of seeds. When we sow seeds, God multiplies our seeds. We may not even understand what God's doing, but we are sowing seeds for the Lord. And when we sow seeds, we will grow, our fruit will grow trees. Next slide, please. And our trees will turn into orchards. God will multiply and multiply and multiply good seed. The more goodness we sow, the greater goodness that's in this world. So always remember that orange, that mandarin that you have in your hand, that has seeds in it. It was come from a seed and it will grow many more seeds if you plant it. Not only is there good seeds in this world, but there's bad seeds as well, unfortunately. Let me tell you about two small groups of men who sowed seeds. Both groups, one of 10 men and one of 12 men, were very devout in their faiths. Both felt they were on a mission from their God and for their God. Both had clear goals in mind. Both groups made a powerful impact with the seeds they sowed. And both groups were willing to die for what they believed in. The first group is about bad seeds. Next slide, please. 2008, 10 devout Muslims from Pakistan entered the city of Mumbai. They were armed with AK-47s and grenades and went on a killing rampage in Mumbai. They caused much terror and death. They brought a city of 18 million people to a standstill. The Indian nation of over 1.3 billion people were shocked and terrified. And as these terrorists desired, they had worldwide media coverage. They killed around 167 people and wounded well over 300, including women and kids. They left pain from their acts of horror upon the world. Just 10 men who were passionate to sow seeds of evil and hate and darkness brought a city and a nation to a standstill and made headlines in nearly every nation on front pages around the globe. Nine of them were killed in the shootout. One survived but was later hung as a murderer, as a mass murderer. They attacked peaceful, innocent people and, they and the fruits that they left has left a stain on the history of mankind. Just 10 men. And then let me tell you about another group. Next slide, please. Another group of approximately 12 men. They sowed seeds of light and love and mercy. They were armed with the scriptures and the Holy Spirit. They were devoted to the call of God. They spread the gospel to people even in the midst of threats to their own safety. They wanted to sow seeds of goodness and light. And they were willing to die for their faith also, which many of them did. The fruits have lasted ten thousand. Uh, sorry, their fruits have lasted two thousand years, bringing hope to the entire world. They brought peace to millions and millions, and their names are still remembered to this day. Peter, James, John, Matthew, and others like Paul and Barnabas and Silas, who joined them later. Look at the difference between bad seeds and good seeds.
We all sow seeds. And we all will bear fruits. And some fruits may not be as good as what they should be. And some of our fruits may even be rotten because we are rotten in the flesh. Slide, please. It is your actions and it's your heart that determines what kind of seeds you're sowing. Galatians 5.19 to 21 says, The acts of the flesh are the acts or the fruits of the flesh are sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hated, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. And I'll throw in swearing and a whole lot of other things that we could be doing. And Paul says, I warn you, as I did before, those who practice such things will not, will not inherit the kingdom. Next slide, please. But the fruits of the Spirit are joy, peace. Next slide, please, Tanya. Forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. What are you watering your seeds with? How are you preparing your seeds? What kind of soil are you putting your seeds into? We are in a holy partnership with God. Next slide, please, Tanya. And again, please. This is the divine partnership that God has called each of us to. God brings about miracles and he uses us in the miracles. Remember right at the start in Genesis, God created the world. He did all these amazing things without any help. But then later in Exodus, God says, I'm going to still do miracles. I'm going to split the Red Sea, Moses. I'm going to turn your rod, your staff into a snake. I'm going to uh, turn the river into blood when you use your staff. God was showing Moses, I'm going to use you to help me in this miracle. God started using men in the process of doing miracles. When he said, I'm going to take the people into that promised land, he says, okay, you're going to go in the promised land, I'm going to give you the land, but you're going to fight battles on the way. God showing us, teaching us that we have to take up our part. When the Hebrew priests carried around the golden ark, which carried the presence of God, again, God was using the people, using the priests, showing them that they are partnering with God in carrying his presence. A couple of thousand years later, actually 3,000 years later, God still uses someone else, a priest, that carries the presence of his light and hope. That person is you. You carry God's presence. You carry God's hope. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Don't you know that you yourselves are the temple of God? And the Spirit dwells in you. The Holy Spirit is in us for a reason. And that's to bring light into darkness. Can we read Colossians chapter 1? Colossians chapter 1, uh, verses 9 to 12. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 to 12. Sorry, I'm not going to wait for you just for the sake of time. 
For this reason we also, since the day we have heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom, spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing and bearing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Bearing good fruit, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. With all patience and long-suffering with joy. Most of us wins, don't we? Giving thanks to the Father that has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. God wants us to be fruitful, friends. Fruitful. Sometimes when we're sowing seeds, we get an instant result. And sometimes we may take a long time before we actually see the results. But God always brings a result. God brings fruit. Let me tell you a true story. In 1990 to 1991, Ethiopia was in the midst of civil war. Muslim extremists trying to kill everybody. And the president was President Mengistu, who was also a Muslim. There was lots of unrest and violence. And the Christians, of course, were in danger as usual. In Israel, the government was also very worried about a particular tribe in Ethiopia. They were big, tall, black Africans, Ethiopians, but they were Jews. They were a Jewish tribe who lived everything Jewish and believed that they could trace their roots back to Solomon. And there's a long history of that. When Solomon was a naughty boy and uh, had many wives and concubines. So the armed forces and the intelligence and the government of Israel said, we've got to save these Jews in Ethiopia because they're going to be slaughtered by this, these Muslim extremists. So they had various meetings and they contacted President Mengistu privately and they said, uh, will you let us rescue these Jews? There's over 15,000 of them in your country. And he said, no, at first. And then he said, okay, look, if you send me weapons, and he said, my bank account needs a top up, $33 million, um, then I'll allow Israel to secretly uh, evacuate the Jews. Because he couldn't do it publicly uh, because he'd be criticised by the Muslim world. So he had to make it look good. And he wanted to boost his ego, and he wanted to say that um, he was forced into it when it got found out. So he said, I want President George Bush to... And that was George Bush Sr. I want President George Bush to write me a letter requesting my help. So if anyone ever says anything, I can say, America forced me. So the State Department in America held a committee meeting to decide whether President Bush should intervene and help these Ethiopian Jews. And the committee was made up of 13 men. So one of the men said, no, I, I abstain. I, I don't wish to vote. So the other 12 men voted. Six voted no, not for President Bush to help the Ethiopian Jews. And six voted yes, they should help the Jews to get to Israel. It was deadlocked, and so the man who abstained was forced to vote. So he thought for a minute, and then he said to them, before I vote, I want to tell you a story. 
He said, 35 years ago, I lived in Harlem, New York. And one day there was a fire in, a, in Harlem in an apartment block. And three little children were on the fourth floor balcony screaming and crying. And no one would rescue them. Finally, a tall black man raced up the four floors, racing through the fire. He grabbed the children and ran back downstairs. He risked his safety and his life to save the lives of three little total strangers. The children were terrified but were now safe. Finally, the police and the fire brigade arrived. And finally, the children's father also arrived back home. The father was weeping with joy over his children and just wanted to thank the man so much for saving his kids. He got out his wallet and said, let me pay you. And the man said, no, no, don't, don't, don't be silly. Um, anyone would do it. And the man, the father kept on saying, no, no, let me pay you. What you did was really good. He said, I, I can never say thanks enough. And the man said, you don't need to pay me. He said, what I did for you was a mitzvah. And the father had no idea what that meant. But he just said, thank you. And the man left. And then the committee members were looking at this man and saying, what did you tell us the story for? And he said, 35 years ago, he said, those kids were terrified on that balcony. And that tall black African man that saved them was an Ethiopian Jew. And he said, and those kids that were terrified, I was one of them. He said, so 35 years ago, an Ethiopian Jew did a mitzvah, a good deed. That's what the Jews call a good deed, a mitzvah. He did a good deed and saved my life and my brothers and sisters' lives. So today, I sit on the verge of history with a chance to do a good deed for the Jews in return. I vote yes, let the Jews go to Ethiopia. Next slide, please. On May 24th to 25th, 1991, Israel flew 35 aircraft to a secret airfield in Ethiopia. And over 36 hours, they evacuated over 14,300 Ethiopian Jews in one night and one and a half days. The planes had all the seats taken out of them and they were packed, jam-packed with people. The Israelis tried to keep a correct number of people on the plane so they could weigh up with fuel concerns and all that. But many of the children were smuggled in because they'd be hiding under their mother's long dresses. Five pregnant women gave birth on some of those flights. One flight, the people tried to build a campfire in the plane because they didn't realise the danger. One flight had 1,200 people jammed into the plane. In 36 hours, a miracle was achieved. 14,300 Ethiopian Jews were flown to new homes and safety in Israel. One Ethiopian Jew had sown a good deed he did 35 years ago and the fruits where 14,300 Jews were saved from those fruits. That's a link in the chain and we are the link in God's chains today. Next slide, please. Just about finishing up now. There are many miracles that God wants us to do, but we have to partner up. We've got to stand in the gap. We've got to sacrifice some of the things. Romans 12.1 says that our act in true proper worship, as Pastor Paul's been talking about worship, is not just slow songs, but rather to offer our bodies as a holy sacrifice to the Lord, giving up some of the things we want to do to help others, sacrificing our selfish desires to sow good seeds and be light to darkness. This is our true and proper worship. 
Let me finish how we started. Last slide, please, Tanya. The followers of Jesus, you're a follower of Jesus, I presume, must live by faithfulness, by firmness, by steadfastness, fidelity, responsibility, and trustworthiness. That's what God expects from us. And when we come across people and situations drowning in darkness, in an undistinguishable void and formlessness, confusion, unreality, emptiness, chaos, desolation, in an empty space, feeling futile and a waste, then we must be light. Be light. A new miracle to those people to show them the salvation of God's ways. The good seeds and deeds that we sow will multiply exponentially and continue to grow even greater deeds, greater seeds, more fruits, which bears greater seeds again. You are God's partner. He has called you. Be light. So may the Lord help us shine in darkness and bring hope to the hopeless. This, I didn't say this to make you feel good or feel bad. I said this because this is what God expects from us. This is our divine call. Stop making excuses if you've been making them. doesn't matter if we've failed them in the past. Today is the day to start getting serious about God. So if this message has touched you, I really hope you respond. So would everybody stand with me, please? And I'd like everybody to bow their heads. Maybe today you've never really known Jesus as Lord and Saviour. When you ask Jesus into your heart, it doesn't mean that you're going to have a nice fluffy life and everything's sweet. It means you are going to have a change of life. You're going to walk in a new way. You're going to have a much more fulfilled life. Even in problems, you will have a much more fulfilled life. Friend, if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, if you've walked away from him for a long time, today God is giving you an opportunity to get right with him so you can get right with those around you. Brothers and sisters, there's some here today I know you haven't been walking in fidelity. You haven't been trustworthy. You haven't really been walking for the Lord. The world offers so much attraction to keep us away from God. That's the whole idea of Satan, to keep us away from him. Today is the day to get serious. Today is the day that we are called to start showing our light to those around us. Will you ponder? Will you pray to the Lord? Will you ask the Lord, was this message for me? In a second, I'm going to ask us to put up our hand if God has touched you. I don't want anyone looking around. Just bow your heads. Will you heed God's call? Will you listen to God's call? If you are going to answer and say, Lord, I'm putting my hand up to heed your call, to be light, to walk in the strength of faithfulness, then I ask you, as your heads are bowed, would you put your hand up right now? Put your hand up and say, Lord, this message is for me. I commit to you to stand with you. I'm not going to labor this. I'm going to give you three seconds. If God has spoken to you, if God has challenged you, put your hand up. Three seconds and two. God bless you.
and one. Thanks, folks. Sit down and let's give thanks to the Lord. Thank you for joining Life City Church, and we hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. If this ministry has made an impact on your life, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line and share your story at thanks at lifecitychurch.com or email us your prayer needs at prayer at lifecitychurch.com. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your story. If you love the ministry of Life City Church, you can make a financial gift to help us spread the good news of Jesus by going to lifecitychurch.com and clicking the giving tab. We hope today's message has spoken into your life and look forward to your next visit.